Everyone has a story. Stories of adversity, stories of perseverance, stories of accomplishments, and maybe even stories that will make others laugh. No matter the story, we can be inspired and motivated by them. Most of all, we can learn from them. This is the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast, hosted by me, Dave D2 Martinez, and I want to hear your story. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, it is 2023. We are kicking off the brand new year. And as I look back, I am surprised uh, that uh, we've been podcasting now. I've been doing this for over five years, like five and a half years. We started this back in May of 2017. And looking back, it just doesn't feel like it's been quite five years. So welcome to the Big Peach Ride and Run podcast. Yes, I am your host, Dave Dolomite, D2 Martinez. And yes, once again, that is a mouthful because, well, people just call me all sorts of things. And uh, you can call me Dave, you can call me D2, whatever it is, I will answer too. So yes, it is the start of a brand new year. Um, I know that this is a time of, you know, where you're probably inundated with things of new year, new you and resolutions and goal settings and all that. And I know I've done, uh, you know, episodes in the past specifically targeted to that kicking off that new year and meeting those resolutions and goals. So I won't go into that uh, and covering those type of topics because that's, I think there's plenty of information out there. But I will say that one of the things that, um, you know, and I've said this in, in a previous episode, I know I've, I've done a blog post, I don't really believe in resolutions. Um, and maybe it's just my wording or phrasing of that. I believe in setting goals. Because when you set goals, typically, you set a strategy, you set something in place and says, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, you have to ask the question of, well, then how am I going to get there? How am I going to reach that goal? Um, so very similar to saying I'm going to run my first, you know, marathon, you know, you, there's a training plan. So that training plan is sets you up for that strategy to achieve that goal. Um, so, you know, so I'm going to share with you some of my goals, um, you know, my personal goals uh, for this year, um, just to kind of share and just so you kind of know what I'm doing. And maybe I'll see you uh, somewhere out there and uh, and maybe, uh, you know, encourage some of you to, you know, uh, participate in some of these other activities, or maybe if you're having trouble setting some goals for the new year, this will give you some ideas. So for me, you know, I want to do uh, just, I want to do new things. You know, I've said this in the past, I want to do new races, I want to continue to do that. I want to travel, I want to adventure, I want to do more, uh, you know, run more trails and, uh, and more challenges, while continuing to improve my strength and fitness. And, you know, as I get older, I'm not going to go faster, so I figured I might as well try and go longer. So endurance is is a big part of that. Um, so races, I mean, um, you know, I, going back to, you know, going longer and doing more trail, that started actually, uh, I started last, in, in December, I signed up uh, and did the uh, Pine Mountain race um, here in just, uh, you know, south of Atlanta, just an hour south of Atlanta, and that was, uh, you know, had a great time, I think I mentioned that on the previous podcast, and that's, you know, Guts uh, Running, uh, Georgia Ultra Trail Running Society, um, you know, puts on that race, and it was a fantastic course. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say it's very, you know, challenging, but, uh, you know, it was, it, it was enough of a challenge, um, with the leaves on the ground and that I think anyone can go out there and, and do this. And it was a 19 miler. So once again, meeting that goal of going longer and I didn't want to wait 
till 2023 to get started. So, you know, using that momentum from, from, from 2022 and moving that into 2023. And that way I'm not starting out at zero. So coming up, um, I'm also doing run the ATL, the winter edition. And this is, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, I guess it's a race. I mean, I, I just do it as a run. I mean, I think racing just means you're going out to compete. I'm going out there just to kind of run and do the distance. And this starts over on the West end over by, um, I think it's, uh, wild heaven, good, good. end. uh, I think a good end brewing, good, good brewing or something like that. Um, and you know, you just run along the belt line and some of it, um, is, is completed and some of it, you're just going to be on gravel and unfinished and part trail and, um, I remember doing it several years ago in the summer, and there was a lot of, uh, of the trail that had not been developed, um, and you wouldn't see anyone typically for, for miles. Um, and just this past weekend, I went out there and did ran on the east side um, from West End, from Wild Heaven Monday Night Garage, all the way to Piedmont Park and back for a total of 17 miles, just to get myself kind of prepared for this race. Um, you know, and I, I, can, I don't even know what the distance is. I think it's like 18 miles, might be 20. So I think, you know, you know, running 17 will, will get me, it'll get me uh, to that finish line. And right now it's just, you know, sort of kind of tapering. Like I said, I, I, I done the, the summer edition years ago. I want to do the winter edition. So could be rainy as, as we've had, um, you know, the last, you know, a uh, few weeks, we've had a lot of rain here in the Atlanta area. Um, could be freezing cold. We had some very cold temps here right uh, around the holidays. So I have no idea, um, you know, what to expect as far as how to really kind of, you know, prepare myself, whether it'll be layering or, you know, uh, putting on rain gear. Um, but it'll be much different than the summer. I think it'll be a little bit more enjoyable in the summer because the summer was just really hot when you're running out there and it's like 90 plus degrees uh, in the humidity. And uh, so that'll be kind of interesting. The other one that I've got um, sort of uh, on my list, and I'm just going to, you know, it's, it's I think or at this point we're about a week out when it opens up registration, at least uh, opens up to the general public. And this is something that, once again, is going to, you know, check off the, the travel, adventure, um, trail, and longer distance, and that's going to be the Leadville Trail Marathon. Um, I've been, you know, I've run out in Leadville. I, I love that part of, you know, I've run on some of those trails and it's just amazing out there. And while I'm not quite ready to jump into uh, a hundred miler, the, the infamous uh, Leadville 100, um, one of the best known, uh, you know, hundred milers and most difficult, um, it, you know, I'm not ready to jump into that quite yet. Um, I do want to dip my toe into that um that uh that you know that type of racing in altitude with the challenging environments um getting some travel in and so let's see if uh keep my fingers crossed that i can actually get in on that uh on that race when that opens up because i do think it'll fill up very quickly i know that they open it up and has already opened up to those that i think are members or something like that um that you have to kind of sign up in advance and at least be a member i guess of that leadville kind of community for six months before um you know they'll allow you to register um and if i don't get into that then the backup is um the moab trail fest which is uh, obviously in moab utah and that's three days of running um somewhere about a half marathon uh you know three days consecutively 
and I've done something similar like that back in 2019. And this was when this opened up was kind of on my you know list for 2023. So I'm looking at that at sort of as a backup to, to Leadville, um, um, the trail marathon, if I don't get into that. Um, and then because my interests vary, um, you know, I'm going to also look into some cycling. Um, I've done it for the past two years now, I think. It's, uh, it's um, you know, in support of uh, Grady uh, um, uh, Hospital. It's, they've changed the name. Now it's called Move for Grady. It used to be called Velo City. So I think now it's more of a mission statement and description because it's not just cycling as it was when it first started out. It's now incorporates, you know, uh, trail running. And um, so uh, that's a 60-mile bike ride down in, in South Atlanta, and I've done it in the past. It's a great time. And for those of you, I would, you know, uh, yeah, I'll have more information about that as registration opens up and because and, uh, they haven't quite done that yet. But the date is announced. It's early in May and uh, looking forward to that, you know. And the other one that I did uh, previously, and I'm going to kind of try to up my uh, distance, is uh, the Tony Serrano Century. I did it last year, and I only managed to do the metric century. I only did 60 miles. And a lot of it had to do with the cold weather and probably not, you know, enough training. I probably could have pushed it to 100 miles, um, but I think I would have slowed down somewhere around mile 70. Um, it was brutally cold and windy, and I think that just would have contributed, and, and I would have just fatigued. Uh, it would have made for a longer day, even if I would have crossed that. So I'm, this year I'm going to prepare a little bit more for it. Um, and then uh, in this, uh, it's, I think it starts it's, it's in September. It's a beautiful back road century up in um, Cartersville. Is it Cartersville? Somewhere north of Cartersville. Um, I've ridden out there when I was back doing triathlons. And I went, I, once again, I've done 60 miles, but I've never done, um, you know, 100 miles out there. And then the one that has sort of kind of been on my bucket list for a while and, you know, to, you know, some people would probably say, you know, as much as I, you know, as I'm on the bike, you know, surprised that I haven't done it, but it's uh, the Six Gap Century. Um, and, you know, that's North Georgia. It's, you know, um, you know, some of the toughest climbs in the, in the state. Um, and, you know, I've always been skeptical, uh, you know, or not skeptical, um, or maybe uh, of my ability, of my descending ability. Climbing, you know, it's a suffer, you know, it's a little bit of a suffer fest and just sort of kind of try to use, uh, you know, whatever endurance and, and, and energy you have and, and fitness you have and, you know, go into an easy gear and sort of kind of manage your way up the climbs. But it's a, it's a descent where you're, you know, where you go, you know, fairly quickly and I'm a, a bit intimidated uh, by that. Um, and that's something that I may end up doing some, depending on how, how some things go, I may sign up for a, a training camp here um, in the in the spring that'll help me uh, with some climbing and descending ability as well. So that gets me into the next thing as far as, you know, like I said, you know, I've got these, you know, items that I want to kind of do that I've signed up for. So how am I going to do it? You know, that's part of the whole goal setting and the whole process. So for me, it's the training part, you know, you know, I do a lot of indoor training. I, I, I use Zwift. And so my goals there are going to basically increase my FTP, so my uh, functional threshold power. So that's the amount of uh, power that I can sustain basically 
um, increasing the strength that I have on the bike, pushing a bigger gear, trying to go faster, and then also improve my endurance so that when I do get to those climbs, I'm not completely spent and I can actually go the distance. I'm pretty sure I could do six gap or at least do the three gap. I can do half of that. Um, I've done something similar like that up in North Carolina, but I've never done the full 100 miles. So increasing my FTP, um, riding longer, so endurance, um, you know, on the indoor trainer. I've already started doing that, sort of kind of getting to a, the hour and a half mark, and that's tough to do, um, you know, just riding indoors. It's just the, the monotony of it. Zwift sort of kind of helps, but it's a lot of that mental kind of pushing through that because you start getting bored. It's not really, I, for me, I don't think it's that I get really tired. It's, I just get more of a, the boredom that kind of starts setting in. Um, because most of the time you're kind of at a zone two, a very easy kind of endurance type pace. So it's not that I'm fatigued and that's what's holding me back. It's more that, okay, I'm tired of, of just staring at a screen. I just want to kind of, let's move on to something else. I get bored. Um, so along those lines, part of my training, and that's something I've started doing already is, you know, um, you know, riding at the Atlanta winter bike league. Um, and you know, I'm also a, a ride leader there. We've unfortunately had, I think now for the past, I think the past two, uh, rides we've been rained out. We've had, you know, rain where the conditions haven't been conducive to a large group ride on, on wet pavement. So I'm hoping that here, um, in the middle of the month, you know, our next ride, which I think is, uh, the 14th of January, um, we'll actually be able to, to, um, to get that distance and we'll be riding two hours and 40 minutes. So we're, we're starting to get up there. Um, you know, and other things that I'm working on that I continue to do, uh, you know, is, you know, obviously, you know, I want to maintain my, my fitness and strength and, you know, there's things that I do. I mean, and it's what I call more of a functional fitness. And as I get kind of older, you know, uh, I think those are things that I've mentioned in the past, just working at a home, um, you know, with, with strength training, you know, I've got a kind of a small little home gym with some dumbbells and some weights. And I want to kind of, you know, start adding a little bit more. I'm starting to kind of reach that point where I need to add some heavier weights, maybe some more uh, additional uh, gear, um, you know, areas that I'm finding out that I'm sort of kind of weak at is primarily in the glutes. So, you know, doing squats, um, I started having a little bit of IT band issues when I was doing some long runs when I was, uh, over the holidays when I was down in Florida. And that's typically for me an issue of, um, having underdeveloped, you know, glute muscles. And so doing some squats and, you know, throwing some weights, um, are going to help with that. So, uh, you know, the idea has been in my mind to get a squat rack and start trying to build out, uh, a, a more, uh, you know, a, a better gym and, uh, and maybe even doing some home renovation and improvement that, uh, allows me to work on that functional fitness because now I tell you, when I was working out in the yard, you know, um, last summer and just, you know, building retaining walls and all that. I mean, those pieces of timber, they, they weigh a lot, you know, and, you know, carrying them up and, 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 and squatting down. I mean, that really helped my functional fitness. Um, I got in, in better shape. I got leaner. I got stronger. I could see some muscle development. So those are things I'm going to continue to do. Um, and then, um, you know, going into the podcast, you know, as far as a, a goal for the podcast is that I'm going to continue to um, you know, have interesting guests on various subjects and also try to include more diversity and representation in various means. And I'm talking about not only in, in gender or, um, or race, but also as far as topics that talk about, 
um, you know, body positivity. I've already started reaching out to several guests. I've got at least invitations out to, to four or five of the people that I feel are just really inspirational. Some of them are doing some fantastic things. Some of them are, are um, you know, have their own projects that they're working on to improve um, various different sports, including gravel riding, um, you know, and other things. And some of the guests, and I'll be uh, you know, honest, is some of it is more selfish, more for me, because I'm interested in, in gravel riding. Um, I haven't gotten into it yet. It's one of those things that I'm, that it, I'm intrigued by it and want to try something new. Um, but, you know, I'm limited as far as resources and time as, as to how much I can do. And I've seen videos uh, of some of the, these big gravel races that have such a great community, um, you know, uh, outbound and Big Sugar were some of the ones that happened, you know, last year. And it's just the professional riders are out there, but also the everyday people that are out there and riding 100 miles on gravel. Um, you know, communities like Bentonville, Arkansas, that had just have this whole network of gravel trails. And, you know, I think that's one of the, where the bigger, uh, one of the big races is, is out there. And it's just huge, huge cycling community and, and cycling infrastructure. So things I'm interested in and people that I'm interested in, because I'm, I'm piqued by um, some of the things that are you know, why they do what they do, how do they get past a certain, you know, point um, as far as distance and and how do they do their training. So all that are part of my goals for next year. And uh, and hopefully, you know, those are things that uh, will intrigue and pique your interest as well and keep you coming back for each episode. So that being said, we're going to move on to the first episode of this year, episode 139. And I will have on here um, a a friend of uh, I guess of, of mine. I've met her previously. Uh, you know, she works at our uh, Marietta location over in East Cobb. She is a um, a former uh, assistant district attorney uh, at Carroll County District Attorney's Office, as well as other uh, you know positions she's had. Um, she studied at the Emory School of Law, but you know she ended up kind of switching gears um, and getting out of law. And, um, and started studying and, and getting into clinical mental health counseling. And so she shares a little bit about that as far as kind of a reason. We don't dive too much down, down into that, but you'll kind of hear through the conversation some of the things that has, has changed and we really dive down into um, kind of as for her as an endurance athlete. You know, what are the things that she's kind of going through? How does she process certain things? What's her training like? What makes someone want to go out and run 100 miles? And it's one of those things where, you know, she started out not really being a runner, as many of us, you know, know, can relate to. But she did her first marathon, and, you know, at one point that sort of kind of clicked and said, yep, I think I can do 100 miles. And, you know, she, she ended up doing four last year. And one of them was a virtual one that, you know, was, you know, somewhere like across the States and something like that, something ridiculous that I wouldn't have, I think the patience to do, but, you know, um, and that's why I wanted to kind of sit down with her and talk to her and find out, you know, what does it take to run a hundred miles? What kind of mental preparation do you go through to do that? And once you're in there, where are the dark places? How do you get out of the dark places? What kind of goes through your mind when you're out there at, let's say, mile 80, and you're just like, I'm beat, I'm done, and I want to quit? How do you get out of that? How do you move forward? Um, and th- so those are questions that we'll get into um, and and uh, and share with you. So her, her name is Emily Labuda, and we'll have her story and and her wisdom 
right after this break. At Big Peach Running Company, we take pride in listening to your needs. We take into account the shape of your feet, previous injuries, and activity level to guide you to comfortable shoes for your feet. Whether you're a runner, walker, fitness enthusiast, or simply need comfortable shoes to wear, we offer the best customer experience in the friendliest environment. It's no wonder we've been voted one of the best running stores in America by our fans. Visit any of our nine Big Peach Running Company locations for a free fit assessment and video gate analysis. Go to BigPeachRunningCompany.com to learn more. All right, welcome back, everyone. And it is, uh, you know, I'm excited to have Emily Labuda here um, on the podcast. Uh, she is someone that I have sort of kind of crossed paths as I've visited stores. She works at our Marietta location and got to know her a little bit, and, you know, as far as uh, knew she was training for, you know, uh, you know, Penhody 100 uh, this past November. And I figured she probably has an interesting story, and we briefly talked, and I wanted to kind of get to know her a little bit more and kind of share her story and what she's gone, kind of gone through as far as what got her into running and really more of that, why would someone want to run 100 miles, you know, because as a trail runner myself, it's one of those questions I'm like, do I want to run 100 miles, you know, so welcome Emily to the podcast. Thanks so much, Dave. Really appreciate it. Um, I think a lot of 100-mile runners uh, still kind of ask themselves that, right? We're all kind of wondering, especially especially around that 80-mile mark, what are we doing out here? Well, and that, you know, and as one of the things as I was doing my research, because I, I was aware of Penhody, that that was mm -hmm. the last race that you had done. And I'm, that's, you know, at this point, like, what, four or five weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and then as I'm looking at your posts, you actually did three others and a, or yeah, three others. You did Pinhoti, you did. And then one of those was a virtual one that was over, uh, you know, uh, you know, much longer than a hundred miles. So you went, you, <clears throat> you went full in. I mean, you were like, I'm going to go ultra. I'm going full in. I'm not, I'm not just going to dip my toe in the water. You know, you went full in. I did. I um. I think I think anybody who knows me pretty well knows that um. I like to bring my full self uh, to anything I do, and so I ran my first ultra, fifty uh, k in October of twenty one, uh, twenty twenty one, and then twenty twenty two hit, and I ran. Oh, I ran a I ran my first fifty in in twenty one as well, and then twenty twenty two hit, and I did 300s, uh, did kind of like a virtual challenge of like running across the, the America, um, the United States. And just, I mean, at this point, I think I'm planned into like 2025 with things I want to do. Wow. So, I mean, it's fairly recent that you got into ultra, but I mean, you, you've been running, how long have you, I mean, what got you started in, in, in you know, into running and for how long were you running before you did your first ultra? Yeah. Um, so probably, gosh, maybe, maybe eight ish years. Um, gosh, four, probably about eight years. So I, I was never like a runner, never ran track, never ran cross country. Um, I was, I was interested, but like I ran, I did, I did a year of softball in high school and my favorite part was running the bases, but I was just like, okay, well, that was fun. Okay. On to the next thing. And, uh, then I had a friend tell me about four foot striking and I had always been trying to, trying to heel strike. Um, cause that's how I thought you ran and, and that's how many people run and that works well for them. But someone told me about four foot striking 
I was in my senior year of college. I was I was going to college up in Chicago, Illinois. So I went to the indoor track. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At this point, it was cold outside. And I ran a mile. And for the first time, it felt like doable and easy and, and exhilarating. And I ran downstairs immediately. And I told my friend, I was like, I just ran a mile. And, um, you know, then, then that's, I, I don't want to say it like went from there, but it went from there, you know, then you run two, then you run three and you just start to learn what you are actually capable of. So you, you, so you went in and, and did you stick primarily to the, like the 5k distances or did you say, all right, I'm going in, going marathon, you know, you're, you're no. one going marathon, going all the way. Yeah. So there it's funny because there I like, I didn't do my all in. Right. I, even though it's like how I am now, I, I didn't even really marathons weren't on my radar. I was like, Hey, I heard about this like hot chocolate run, which was amazing. That was my first 5k. I was like, man, I think I can do that. Then I did the 10, 10 K. Then I, I did two halves and I swore I would never do a marathon. And I have since done marathons. Um, <laughs> so I've done about, I don't know, maybe, maybe eight ish. Um, since starting ultra now I'm like, not sure on what races uh -huh. I've run where. Um, but I think I've done about eight. I really did the road marathon thing for a while. Um, I did like six, I think I did six or seven just during law school. Um, and then just kind of kept running, um, as a way to, as a way to kind of get through life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think everyone kind of goes through that uh, and it's, I think it's a similar, similar story because I've gone through that myself as far as thinking out, I'll never be able to do a marathon. Although I remember I signed up to do my first marathon before I ever did a half marathon. I wasn't really a runner only because like my friends are doing, it. I'm like, how hard can it be? And I never <laughs> trained for it and ended up, you know, that, you know, going down and making it my first half marathon. And then it was like, I think another like 10 years before I did my first marathon. And, uh, I enjoy the half. I think that's a great distance. Yeah. Marathon is one of those that I've done it four times and it's just, it's difficult. And, um, I would rather do a 50 K as yes. opposed to a, to, to a marathon. It's just, the, the I think the pounding on the road is, is a little bit harder on the body than running on trails and, uh, you know, and maybe easier to recover, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely there as far as, you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, going into that longer and ultra and, uh, doing that, the trail running. Yeah. Hands down. I agree. I would rather, I would rather run like a 50 or an hundred than go race a, a marathon. And I think part of that's like, like racing a marathon is hard. Like you're, you're on and you've got to be so focused and so on. And I mean, I guess there's an argument that maybe that's how you should run a, um, 50 or a hundred too, but, um, I kind of like throwing sheds out the window and I like, I like looking around, seeing the view, enjoying the snacks. And, uh, that just seems more enjoyable to me. Well, I think also, I mean, for me, the, the marathon is one of those things where it's, there's always a little bit, I think of pressure because people always want to know, it's like, Oh, did you qualify for Boston? Yes. So oh, there's yeah. always that kind of like, Oh, well, what do I need to, you know, you know, what do I need to run in order to qualify for Boston? And then that ends up being sort of kind of this, you know, way of measuring whether you had a successful race or not, you know, and, 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 or even validating whether you're, you know, worthy of that distance maybe. 
And yeah. so for me, I would always kind of look into it and go, okay, well, for my age, what should I be running? And I think, okay, well, let me see if I can do it. And then you kind of push yourself harder on, you know, and you feel great at the start of it. And you think, oh, yeah, I think I could do this. And then you don't take into account that you're going to be much slower afterwards and you suffer, you know, through that. And so I got to a certain point where I'm like going, I'm not going to worry about Boston qualification. I'm not going to worry about any of that. But I think there's also, even if you didn't do that, the fact that you're running, you know, on the streets of a city. Yeah. And it's wide open and yeah. people can see you. And I think that adds the intimidation to where like, I can't stop and walk, you know, mm -hmm. and if you do, then people are like, they almost feel like bad for you because, oh, you know, they must be really hurting or, you know, mm -hmm. or like, and I feel like for trail running, there's many times where you're out there by yourself. It's a smaller field. You don't have a whole lot of spectators. And if you mm -hmm. do, it's really typically at aid stations. And at that yeah. point, I feel like if you were like, you look around and you're like, no one's around. I think I, I, I think I can walk here. You know, I think I need a break. And you take that break and you don't feel guilty. Like you got to push through it. Where on a marathon on the road, I feel like, oh, I can't stop. I got to keep going, you know, and, and you just kind of end up hurting yourself a little bit more. At least that's my theory about, you know, on, on it. So that's why I enjoy trail running a little bit better. Yeah. I think you, I think you raise a good point. Um, I want to put in this like caveat that it's like, oh yeah, like there's, there's 50 K's that are on road. There's 50 milers on road, sure. like strong gym, 40 on road, um, hundreds on road. But I, I think you raise a point that maybe is the, is the more subtle distinction that's like in trail running, whatever distance there, there's certain times where you might actually be better served walking a hill. And so you have to really get rid of that mindset of like, oh, if I walk, I'm not a real runner. It's like, no, if you walk, you're playing your game, play your game, run your race and let the chips fall where they may. Like, just make sure you have fun. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to the training as well, because I remember my first 50K I ran with a, with a gentleman and uh, he was, you know, I think he was like probably 10 years older than, than me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I figured, oh, well, I mean, I just came off of doing an Ironman. I'm in great shape. And yeah. so I'm here running uphill. He's yeah. power hiking and he's leaving me behind. Yes. And at yeah. that point, it's like, all right, I'm, 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 I, you know, my strategy is, is, is way off. My training is way off. I'm not mm -hmm. doing what I probably need to be doing. And I had, you know, kind of check my ego and saying, it's, it's not just about, you know, running the whole time. It's, it's a different skill. It's being sort of kind of, you know, um, you know, different type of training, but also kind of conserving your energy for where, when you need it. And, and, and I found that the first, my first 50 K mm -hmm. I thought I could go in and run the whole thing. I thought I was like going to go and, and, and just run it and, and, and have an awesome race. I actually, estimated that my first 50k had finished in six hours and i was closer to eight hours yeah you know and i was like because i ended up hurting at the end and um and and really found myself struggling and and doing a lot more walking um yeah. because i put too much effort into it I, at the beginning 
and I was yeah. overconfident. So it's definitely sort of one of those things you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about strategy and the course is different um, mm -hmm. because there's elevation changes, at least in if you're doing them in the mountains. Because, like, you know, once again, I mean, like you said, there's a couple that, you know, and several that are on the road. And I know like the Keys 100, it's, it's pancake flat. Yeah. And that requires yeah. a completely different strategy, you know, yes. not to mention the heat and no shade. Yes. Yes, like um, Merrill's Mile, my second hundred, um, that's on a paved asphalt loop in Dahlonega in July in Georgia. Um, and I, I I thought it would be easy because of that. I was like, oh, it'll be hot, but that's fine. I totally, hands down, underestimated that race and it kicked me in the teeth. Um, it was a very good reminder that there is there's there's definitely no easy hundred there there's probably an argument that there's there's not an easy whatever your thing is right if that's that's a 5k if that's a marathon if that's a 50 miler whatever it is like find the thing that challenges you and and it's just a very good reminder that you're right you train you have to train differently have a different mindset and, and just be willing to face it. Yeah. I, I, that's one of those things where I, I do, you know, once again, I think it's, you, you, you know, I, I think anyone is really capable of doing an ultra, you know, a hundred or 50 yeah. K or 50 yeah. miler. I think it's just a matter of getting that training and getting comfortable at, you know, to do that type of distance. And mm -hmm. for everyone it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that they have to want to do. And that's kind of what's, what's holding me back. You know, yeah. because when I did my first 50 K, everyone was like, Oh, well, you know, when's your neck, when, when are you doing a 50 mile? When are you doing a hundred? They thought I had the bug and I'm like, I just, I don't feel like this need that I have to do a hundred. So there's gotta be a reason in order, I think for someone to really want to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's one of those things where you kind of also, for those that, you know, end up doing that type of distance and getting into the ultra distance, you, you build up to that distance. And it, you know, like for you, you said it was, you were running like eight years or something like that before you got into it. Um, yeah. I recently, uh, started seeing, uh, a couple of videos. Um, uh, she's a professional triathlete, Heather Jackson, you know, mm -hmm. and she's raced at Kona and she's like top of her mm -hmm. game. And she's been, I think racing since she was 19 mm -hmm. and she has recently switched over. Um, and I saw an interview where, uh, she was talking about, you know, why she switched over. Now she's doing ultras and she's doing gravel. So she mm -hmm. ended up doing, you know, uh, I think it was, uh, unbound, which is, uh, you know, like this hundred mile gravel race. And it's very competitive and a lot of pro racers, uh, are going there. And she recently did Havelina 100, Sure. And, and she's looking at Western States, you know, for next year. And, you know, after so many years of doing Ironmans, mm -hmm. she's like, Ironmans become easy for me. You know, mm -hmm. you can push it, you know, and you can just, there's certain things that you can do and it wasn't a challenge for her anymore. So yeah. to do something different, switching gears and the training, she said is very similar. She can still ride her bike. You know, yeah. I think the only thing she, she's glad that she's not doing is swimming. <laughs> because she hates swimming. Um, and, uh, but I found that interesting because I think that's a lot of, that was my sort of my path as well. I went from, mm -hmm. from doing, you know, 5k, 10k to, to marathon. To, and, 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 and during that time period, got into triathlons, did a couple Ironmans and then I'm like, okay, well what's next, you know? And then it's like, oh, 50k. And so you start looking at what your next challenge is 
And, you know, until you, you feel that, you know, until something no longer becomes a challenge and you're hungry for that next step, I think that's where you step up. And I think that, you know, whether it's a 5K going up to a 10K, 10K to half or whatever, I think that's probably the journey that most, most people, um, you know, uh, will take. And I think you have to be comfortable making that jump regardless of what that is. So, you know, back to my you know, question and, and because I want to wrap my head, head around it mm-hmm. because like I said, for me, I don't have that desire to do a hundred mm-hmm. yet. I like the idea of saying I've done a hundred. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. many people would say, I would love to say I've run a hundred miles. It's yeah. a question of like, do you really want to put in the training and mm-hmm. the effort and maybe even the suffering to do that? So what was it about a hundred mile that for you was like, this is something I have to do. Mm, yeah. I, I love that question. Um, so, so I do, I, I love first that you distinguish that there needs to be that drive. Right. Um, cause I think there's a somewhat, I don't want to use the word toxic cause I feel like it's overused, but for lack of a better word, I feel like there's a somewhat toxic um attitude sometimes that it's like oh if you don't run a hundred you're not a real ultra runner i'm like no an ultra is anything over 26.2 you run 26.3 you're technically an ultra runner like it's it it's i think people sometimes draw lines that don't need to be drawn but i do think that you're right in order to run a hundred miles you need to want to run a hundred miles um so as for like my, my, like what made me want to do it, um, I, I think quite simply, I, I knew I could, um, I, I knew I could mm-hmm. Where my first marathon. I, I didn't know I could do it. Right. Like I, I was not sure I could run a marathon. I was convinced I was going to be dead last. Um, I think we all kind of go through that a bit where we're like, what if they close the course? What if I'm the last one out there? And, you know, and, and whether you are or not, you're still covering the same miles. Um, but I didn't know I could run a marathon and then I did. I think I always kind of knew I could run a hundred. Um, so I just kind of wanted to go do it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, uh, it's interesting that you went from not thinking you could run a marathon to thinking and being very calm that you, you could do a hundred. Like there was something about that marathon that kind of showed you or gave you the confidence of saying a hundred is doable. I think honestly, I, I wouldn't even say it was the marathon that gave me that confidence. I think it was more, more my life. Um, that gave me that confidence. The The marathon might have just been the the vehicle to do it. Um, I mean, I was running, I did the things, but um, in the in the year that I embraced uh, Ultra, uh, discovered Ultra, became Ultra, um, I, had a, I had a lot of people believing in me. Um, so when you have people in your corner saying, yeah, I think you could do that, you start to just think that yourself. You're like, yeah, you know what? I think I can do that. And, and then you have people say, yeah, I agree. You can do that. And it just becomes this, this beautiful self-perpetuating, like self-belief bubble. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's one of those things as well, where I think 
that it could be perceived, you know, if you have, um, like for me, I think, because I go in a, a negative kind of place, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes. And for me, if, if I had a lot of people kind of come to me, it's like, oh, no, you can do it. I'm like, I'm like quit pushing me. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'd be like, yeah. let me get there on my own, you know. But yeah. I think it's I, I think it also depends on, you know, and how it's done. And if it's done in a yeah. nurturing way where it's feel it's feeling supportive, um, yeah. you know, then I think it's it's different because, like I said, it's one thing if I said, you know what, I think I'd like to do 100 and someone says, oh, yeah, I think you can do it. That's one yeah. thing as opposed to I did a 50K and someone's like, so when you're doing, your, you know, when you're signing right. up for 100, it's like, wait, I just did my first 50K. I, right. I, I haven't processed this yet, you know. Then yeah. it's it takes uh, yeah you know, it takes a different sort of kind of uh, you know I think uh, yeah you know, the way it's received may be taken a little bit differently, yes. um, you know and going back to something you said as far as the you know and I think this is in all aspects of and and any probably any type of sport any type of distance the mm -hmm. idea that if you don't run a hundred as you said you're not really an ultra runner there's you know a small I would say a small amount of people that would say that because I remember feeling the same way in triathlon mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, well, if you don't do an Ironman race, it's not yeah. an Ironman. You know? And there's plenty of other races that are not Ironman races. The distance is still the same. Yeah. You know, you still have to swim the same amount of distance, bike the same mm -hmm. amount of distance, and run the same amount of distance in the same amount of time under that 17-hour cutoff point. But some people felt you know, that if it wasn't an Ironman-branded race with their logo, it wasn't a true Ironman. And there's a small amount of people that I think, you know, feel that way. Um, yeah. And um, I would say the same probably goes for, you know, there's you know, there's people out there that feel that if you, if you don't run a certain pace or if you yeah. don't finish at a certain time, and I've seen this on discussion forums, even for the marathon, yeah. where it's like, if you, if you can't finish a marathon in under, let's say five or six hours, you shouldn't yeah. be out on the course. And I'm like, that's not fair. The distance is still the same. And yeah. I recently saw this and I was unaware of it, but I think it's the Honolulu marathon mm, Okay. that they have no cutoff point. Wow. They actually, I think they had it recently and I saw it someplace where someone I think took over 17 hours to finish it. Oh, and they were wow. there at the, at the, the race director was still there at the finish 17 you know, hours later, um, waiting to congratulate them. And they were still, the results still counted. It wasn't like, oh, you know, you're past this and it's a, it's a DNF because you didn't finish at a certain time. They still <laughs> counted that as a result. And I thought that is awesome. And honestly, I would, I would cheer so much more wildly for that person than, than the front finishers. Like, yes, the, the front finishers, that's amazing. That's a, that's amazing feats of what is physically possible, humanly possible, but the person who is out there and they are in that pain cave, they are just dogging it relentlessly. And the, the crowds have gone home and they're just saying, no, I set out to do this thing and I'm going to do it. That person, I, I, I'll cheer them on every day. I, I uh, yeah, I, I, I support that. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. And that's one of the things, and I will say, like I said, the, the people that at least feel, that I would say, let's call them elitist as far as mm -hmm. in those categories that feel like, you know, that if you're slow, you're not a, you know, a true athlete. Yeah. I, I will say that the one thing I'll say about the triathlon, at least the professionals, mm -hmm. in every interview that I've seen with the professionals, especially when you're um, like at Kona, at the world championship, mm -hmm. 
the, 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 I think it's all top three uh, men's and women's are there at the very end waiting for the last mm -hmm. person to come in. And they have said it in the past and they said that, well, what they do is, you know, and, you know, let's say they finished in under, you know, at this point, they're breaking records all the time. So I think they're, you know, under eight hours at this point, maybe, uh, you know, um, you know, but they say that, you know, when they finish, they're like, yeah, I did it in, let's say, eight hours. But someone's out there doing it for 17 hours. Yeah. They're out there for a lot longer, suffering for a lot longer, a lot more time on their feet, a lot more time on that bike. I'm like, they're the ones, and they're cheering for them as well. And that's the one thing I'll, I'll say about triathlon as far as the sport and the professionals. You will never see that in any other race, uh, any other professional field. I don't think you'll ever see, you know, at like New York or Boston, you'll see the, you know, the first place waiting all the way to the very end to the last person cross the finish line. They're already gone, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I th also think the triathlon community is, is one of those that I think it's, you know, for the most part, a little less intimidating than road running because mm -hmm. they're there, they're hanging out. They're like, yep, I ran hard. I'm here. I'm, I'm having a beer. I'm eating food. I'm, I, you know, uh, you know, but I'm here and I'm cheering for every single person that comes through because it's more of a social gathering where road races typically are like, yep, got my medal finished and I'm out. I got other things to do. And it's just, I feel bad for those that are coming in, you know, later because they don't get the same crowd support. And I think that's, just, you know, at, at marathons, it's, I think it's the exact same thing. Yeah. I would say, I think you get that with uh, trail running too. You'll see that yes. whether a local race and just the like podium finishers cheering people on, or it's like Western States and the, the leaf will hang around and they'll, they'll, they're just humans and we're all just trying to be human together. Yep. And I, and I, you know, I was, you know, you, you know, you know this, I mean, we saw each other just a, a week or so ago at the, the, at Pine mountain, I was doing the 19 miler and, you know, saw you and you're cheering for me at one of the aid stations and I come across to the finish and there you are cheering for me, you know, and you were cheering yeah. for everyone else. And so was every, you know, everyone that was there. And that's why I draw from that as a recent memory mm -hmm. and know that the trail community, it seems to be a little bit more welcoming and, and willing to stay and, and, and cheer everyone on as opposed to, like I said, road races, typically it's like, no, nope, we're out, you know, yeah. finish, cross the finish line. You know, for whatever reason, I mean, it's and, you know, maybe they got, you know, things to do at home. They got, you know, kids to pick up. Whatever the reason is, it's not to say that it's not valid. It's just it's different. It's just a different um, vibe altogether. Um, so. Um, so one of the things that, you know, we're going to get into because you, you know, like I said, I sort of kind of went through social media to kind of learn a little bit more about you. Saw some stuff on there that I thought okay, this is interesting. This could be an interesting topic to talk about. But you had a post there um, as part of your race recap where, you know, um, you had, you know, Sketch, you know, uh, which I met at, at Pine Mountain and he does a fantastic job with, with photos and stuff. And, you know, um, but he asked you because he, I guess he was one of the people in your corner that yes. that you know had you know believed in you and could do this and i guess he helped train you and and get you prepared but he asked you this question is what is what does failure mean to you mm. so what was your response to that what 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 does that mean to you i mean i mean i'm sure he asked that before the race but even now you know after the race has that changed from your your initial answer to that question yeah um yeah, so Sketch was my um, crew chief for the race for Penhody. Um, 
he's a friend of mine. We actually met at Pine Mountain last year. Um, just kind of, you know, it's the trail community. You're going to go up, you're going to make friends. Um, and, and turned out I met a, met a really, really good friend. Um, and I knew he had done Pinhoti. Uh, a lot of other members of my crew had done Pinhoti as well. So I just had a, had an A, A team all around. Um, but so he, um, didn't train me so much as we, as, as my crew chief, he really wanted to make sure we were on the same page and make sure, okay, when I'm not functioning my best, can he still kind of know what I need? Right. Mm -hmm. And so we took, gosh, like the 10 weeks leading up to Penhody and he took time out of his like super busy Tuesday evenings, um, where he's got, he's got kids stuff to take care of work stuff, life stuff. Um, and he, we would take, in theory, we would say like about an hour, but we always ended up uh, chatting more than that, just about everything. Um, but we would just chat about the race, about mindset and stuff like that and get to know each other. Um, and so kind of, kind of just had that, had that going into the race really well. Right. Mm. So he, one thing he wanted to know, right. Is like, okay, so, so what is failure? Because if he's out there to try to help me succeed and help me not fail, um, what is failure? Right. And, uh, I remember saying to him, I'm like, okay, well, the easy answer is like a DNF. Uh, I did not finish that. That's a failure. But I'm like, I don't really think that's the answer. So we kind of kept talking, danced around it, right? Like some verbal processing. And it's like, you know what? I think failure is if I endure suffering, but I don't embrace it. Um, and I mean by that, like, I've, I've, I've suffered uh, physically in other races, um, psychologically and emotionally in life. Um, just, I, I've been through pain and I can take it, but taking it is not the same as saying, okay, like I see you and I'm going to be defiantly joyful anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, like nobody's making Nobody, nobody said, oh, we're signing you up for Pinhody. Nobody's holding, holding anything to my head or neck to say, oh, you've got to go across this start line and you got to make it to the finish line. It's all a choice, right? Yeah. So I wanted to make sure I embraced it. And I wanted to make sure I embraced that suffering with defiant joy. Um, and I would say that answer is still the same. Uh, that I mean, that is a great answer because I, I mean, I, I think that if you, you know, I don't know if you've ever DNF'd. Have you? No, not not yet. Okay. I'm sure, I will. So I have, I've have mm -hmm. I have one DNF, but I wouldn't call that a failure. Yeah. You know, um, and I think if if uh, I think that when the time comes and and you do DNF, I think anyone will say the exact same thing to you, because if you put your best out there on the course. You know, mm -hmm. and it just on that particular day, it just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, then you can't consider that a, a, a failure. I hadn't considered about embracing the pain and all everything else that goes along with it. Um, I mean, my DNF came and mentally I just wasn't prepared for the race. And it was a 50K. Yeah. It was um, Duncan Ridge. 
Oh, that's a, that's a gnarly trail. <laughs> it is a gnarly trail. Yeah. And, uh, mentally I, I was, I had already done like two other 50 Ks mm. in like, I think a four to six week period before Duncan Ridge. Okay. So mentally I was already kind of like, I'm like, do I really want to do another 50 K? I think I was tired mentally and physically, yeah. but I said, all right, I signed up for it. I'm like, let's go out and do it. And you know, it's an out and back. So you, you kind of have to, you know, there's no choice, right? You got, you kind of, yeah, you got to come back. Right. Yeah. And you know, I was, I was, I was, it was, it was cold. It was windy and I just wasn't feeling it. I, I don't know how far I got. I, I'm, I, I, you know, I probably got probably 19, 20 miles and it was one of the aid stations there. And I came across a gentleman who was in worse shape. Mm. And, you know, I, I, you know, as you, you know, as you go by, you're like, Hey, are you okay? You know? And, you know, every, he, and I saw other people asking him the same thing. Are you okay? And he just seemed like he was really struggling. And so I stopped and, and walked, you know, beside him and started talking and engaging with him. I'm like, I, I need a break too. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I, this is my opportunity to just like stop. Let me reassess. You know, I'm not feeling it. Maybe I can take my mind off of things and started talking to the guy. And he had apparently fallen, taken a bad fall and, oh. and hurt himself pretty bad. Like his knee was, was, was in bad shape. Yeah. And he was, you know, no, no, go ahead and, you know, finish your race. I'm good. And uh, he was going to, fine and go off of a, on a, you know, on a forest service road, you know, mm. to get back. And I'm like, well, do you know where you're going? <laughs> and he's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, well, then you probably shouldn't wander off course. Yeah. You know, not the greatest idea. And, um, and then, you know, and I was kind of starting to head out, you know, and he said, okay, I'll stay on the course. And I was starting to head out. And then he said something, he goes, I think he, I think what he said is like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was like, oh, I'm not leaving you. And I mm -hmm. just got my excuse to mm -hmm. DNF, you know? And I wasn't really sure. I was like, I will walk back, you know, I'll, we'll walk together. We'll get to the aid station where you can get help. And, yeah. and um, so we did that. I don't know how many miles we ended up walking back and, you know, kind of, you know, making sure he wasn't, you know, by himself. And, you know, got there, you know, the person there at the uh, aid station took care of him, put a blanket around him, you know, and, you know, put him in the car so he could, you know, warm up. And mm -hmm. so I was still kind of considering, you know, going, for, you know, onward, even though I, you know, my time was like, forget about my time. I was like, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, he's like, well, do you want something? Do you need something? I was like, yeah, do you have any like soup or something? And he didn't have anything. I think he maybe had some coffee. And I was like, all right, I'll take something that's warm because I was feeling cold. And he hands me the cup and I hadn't realized it, but my hands were shaking. Yeah. So I was had, I was, I, I was having some sign, you know, the effects of hypothermia and I didn't realize it. And at that point he just looked at me and he's like, you need to get in the car and, and put a blanket on me or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's it. That's, that's my DNF. So, yeah. and like I said, I don't see that as, as, as a failure for several reasons. Um, but uh, you know, that's why I say, I think, I don't think a DNF is necessarily a failure. I think it, it, I think if most people will probably say that if you, if you don't give it your all, if you quit before and you still have it in you, then you can maybe consider that a failure. Yeah. I, I was recently talking to a uh, very wise friend of mine, um, who's done a ton of races. Um, and she said there are good DNFs and there are bad DNFs. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the they're the bad DNFs where, you know, you you do give up and um, you could fight, um, but you you choose not to um, for whatever reason, right? Um, and and there are the times where you say, well, you know, okay, I'm chasing cutoffs, but I'll make them pull me. But you kind of stop chasing for those cutoffs and you kind of let them pull you, right? And I I say all of these as like, okay, this is what I imagine. I'm sure I'll gather more experience and insight as I, as I go. Um, but then there are good DNFs, right? Where, okay, you helped somebody in need. You gave it everything you could and it just wasn't enough that day. Or, you know, you were, you were on the race of your life and you stepped wrong or something in your body snapped and it was out of your control. The good DNFs are where you do everything you can and then say, you know what? I'm, I'm not in control. I'll control what I can and the chips will fall where they may. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, and as you said, I mean, you know, you could, you can fall on a course, you can injure yourself. You could have, you know, stomach issues that just won't allow you to, you know, to come back. Um, and at the same time, you have to kind of evaluate whether it's a good idea to press forward because you just might be putting yourself in a, in a worse situation, whether it's recovery or, or doing more damage. If you're like, oh, yeah, I twisted my ankle, but no, I'm going to keep going. And it's like, you know, you've, you've torn more, you know, stuff on your ankle that, you know, had you just bailed and, and just gotten help, you know, you would have recovered quicker. You know, now you're taking maybe months off, you know, and getting, you know, physical therapy in order to repair the damage that you did because maybe you were too stubborn, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do think you have to take that into account. So as far as um, going back to your 100 and one of those conversations that you had with Sketch, was there ever, you know, I, I feel like maybe Sketch was trying to get into this and maybe you didn't, you know, maybe you guys did, mm-hmm. but at one, you know, because we all hit a low, right? And in, at a certain point, you're going to be like, no, I can't go further. And it's the job of your crew and your crew chief to say, yes, you can. What mm-hmm. do we need to do to get you to keep going, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, but is, did you guys have sort of kind of an agreement saying, okay, if I'm at this point, mm-hmm. this means I'm done, don't even try to, you know, I'm like, I'm done. It, this is a DNF at this point, you know. Um, like, do we have a safe word? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. yes. Was there a, a safe word, a code that said, nope, this is it? Yeah. Um, so we we didn't. Um, and I'll, I'll say I think it's it's kind of turning to your original premise of um, we we all have a point where we we don't want to keep going or we, or we're, we don't want to keep going. Um, I've yet to reach that point. Um, I, I'm always willing to keep going. Um, I might slow down a whole lot. I might cry while I'm doing it. Um, I might need to change my shoes, socks, get like, just like wipe my face with a nice wipe, something like that. Um, but like at no point during, during Pinhody did I say like, Oh, I, I want to stop. Um, I wanted my knee to not stop hurting. I wished my ankle weren't sprained. I felt like I broke my foot. Um, but that's just, that's just pain. Um, I never, never didn't want to keep going. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I, that's one of those things where I'm like, I, I, 
I'm in awe of individuals uh, like yourself that do that distance that can kind of put up with the pain and press forward, you know. Um, I don't know if it's something that I can do. I'm mm -hmm. sure it is. It's just yeah. trying to convince myself that that's something that I, that I'm able to do, you know. Yeah. And I think we play with the how, right? Um, Cause I, my, my dear pacer, um, Amanda Bowers, who joined me from 88 to a hundred um, at 88, I'd just come off of a second, fourth, 10th wind. Um, and I was feeling good and we took off and she's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Emily, I'm Ephra Labuda. <laughs> no, right. And I'm feeling great. And then right about 90, I, it's like, I ran into a wall. Like you talk about hitting the wall. I hit it and like bounced back off of it. Um, I started falling asleep on my poles. I started like, I just started like swearing a whole lot, right? Which anybody who knows me knows I'm not like really big on that, but like you get me in the middle of an ultra and it might be a different story. But uh, yeah, basically I was just, I was, I was just feeling it. And uh, at one point she was like, do you want to run? And I'm like, no. And she's like, do, do you want your music? No. <laughs> like I will doggedly go forward, but I was not happy about it. And I would try to run sometimes. And then mostly we walked and, um, but then you, then you get to the, you get, I, so I'd actually run some of the last miles of the race as part of Rebecca mountain 50. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was this one part on the trail where you basically, you drop almost right into the finish line from the trail. Like you go from, I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see it. Oh my gosh. It's right there. So I had this feeling like, Oh my gosh, I think I should start running now. And, and, and literally two miles before that, I was like, you know what, this might be the first finish line I can't run across. I might just be walking this in. And you reach that point and I don't know if it's adrenaline or joy or relief or what it is, but I started running and like, in my head, I was like sprinting, right? I was like clocking in at elite pace. I was definitely not. <laughs> But I, I was, I was actually passing a couple of people because it's just that like, oh my gosh, it's there. And I took off running again. Um, so I, I will, I will say like, I've never had the, I don't want to keep going, but I've definitely had the like, no, don't make me run. I will fight you. <laughs> well, I was curious about that because it's, you know, every time I've seen you, you've always been like very kind of up and happy and, and just, you know, I, I've, I've never seen you not smile. So I was curious to see whether through this hundred miler or any of other hundred miles, you've gotten in that, you know, that dark place where you're like, nope, I'm not smiling. I'm not happy. You, uh, you really, you really should have seen me mile 90 plus of Pinhoti because my, my brain, well, let's start with that. We were on this forest service road for a hot second and I'm walking on this thing and I'm just like tired, exhausted. Like if you had put like an air mattress down there in front of me, that might've gotten me to stop. Like I would have laid down and just taken a nap, but we're going and I'm like, this is a dumb road and we're still going. And I'm like, I don't mean that. It's a very pretty road. <laughs> and, then, and then like five minutes more go by. I'm like, I'd like to retract my statement. 
this is in fact a dumb road <laughs> right so i i definitely get to that point but i uh it's like it's like my brain almost won't let me where i i started trying to smile because like you know if you smile it does actually help create those good chemicals in right. your brain right yep at least that's what they say, right? Right. That's uh, that's what I'm operating under. <laughs> and so, like, I was feeling miserable, right? But in my head, I'm like, if I just smile, I'll feel better. And so I'm, like, grimacing, right? Like, it's probably, like, this Cheshire cat, like, slash serial killer grin, right? And I'm just trying to smile so that something stops hurting, so I was, I was trying, but I'm definitely less upbeat at mile 90. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, cause you know, sometimes you run into people that are like, man, they're happy all the time. You know, I'm like, like I'm like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not happy all the time, but it's, I'm, I feel that I'm, I'm more of that pessimistic and I try to be more optimistic now and, and just try to think of more positive things. But I think if someone saw me, didn't know me and yeah. hadn't seen anything, they'd be like, it's like, is he a happy person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, okay. So you've got all these hundreds now you got, you know, mm -hmm. four buckles this year. Yes what's on deck for 2023 you said yeah. you at the beginning you said something like you had already like five years out <laughs> plans so what yeah. what's what are, what are what are the plans i love it so um so bootlegger uh bootlegger 100 um it's uh revolution running it's their first year doing this race but they do a ton of other races i've done some of their other races so great great rds that's in april where, um, where is that at uh, like Jackson, Georgia. So just South of Atlanta. Okay. Um, it's like a 10, 10, 10 mile loops. Um, so I actually want to use that one to kind of test out my ability to self crew. Um, cause I, I use every hundred. I learn something about myself and I transform and grow. Um, and so I want to, there's, there's some pretty generous cutoffs, so I want to use that buffer to kind of explore this other facet of like, okay, well, what happens when I'm, you know, at mile 90 and no one's there with me? What, what do I do then? Mm -hmm. Right. So I'll have a couple races as build up for that. Um, I might run, I've got a 30 hour in February, but I'm probably just going to run like a 50 there. Um, so bootlegger a hundred. Um, and then Merrill's mile, um, I'm going to go back for the 48 hour. Uh, it kicked, it kicked me in the teeth last year. And so I want to go, uh, kick back a little, mm -hmm. and then, um, I'm looking to do no business, uh, 100 in October. So I'll probably do Rebecca mountain 50 as buildup and then, um, no business. Cause I, I swept it this past year. Uh, the stars were amazing. And I kind of knew at that moment, I was like, okay, yeah, we're, we're coming back to spend some more time in these woods. So where's no business at? It's, um, it actually spans two, two States, uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. And so I, 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 I if I remember correctly, I know that the Western States, you know, uh, Lottie was out, it was just not too long ago. And I think you were you were interested in it and I think you would have had were hoping to get in is that so Western States is definitely on the radar yes yes so it's interesting because um 
before lottery day, um, I very much said, I don't actually want to get in. Um, and, and part of that is I'm not, I'm not experienced enough with hundreds. Um, I've made mistakes at each one. Um, I've made some good choices at, at each one as well. Um, but I'm still learning. Right. And, and when I go do Western, I want to just enjoy it and drink it in. And I don't want to be chasing cutoffs and Mm -hmm. some of that's outside of my control, but I'd rather have more experience. Um, but of course, day of, I'm like glued to the lottery like screen and I'm like, are they going to call my name? Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, I won't, I won't lie. Like I, there's a, there's a part of any, any hundred mile runner who wants to do uh Western who will be like a little disappointed to not get in. Mm-hmm. But also that just means, okay, cool. That means I get to do Merrill's again. That means I get to do no business um, and just keep, keep racking up tickets. Um, and I'll, I'll get in eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's, it's one of those things I, I understand what you're saying. It's one of those things where it's like, well, that'd be awesome to get in. Well, yeah. not getting in says, okay, well, that gives me more time to prepare for when yeah. I do get in. And so that it's, that I have the best experience as opposed to, like you said, and not having to suffer as much and really try to enjoy it and, and take it all in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, this, uh, this last question, you know, is because you, you know, some of the stuff I've read says, you know, the transformation and everything else and, and you're learning at every hundred and everything else. Looking back, you know, from where you were at, let's say eight years ago, you know, mm-hmm. and you're saying, you know, every race has sort of kind of transformed you. Mm-hmm. What are the changes that you see in yourself now versus that, you know, Emily eight years ago? Oh, oh, I love that. Um, yeah, so I, I used to run as a way to control my life. Um, you know, if, if the world, I was going to say, if the world, um, the world is, um, cruel and confusing and broken. Um, and there's a lot of, um, hurt people and, um, what's the quote hurt, hurt people, hurt people. Right. Um, Yep which sometimes I, as a aside, I think that sometimes becomes an excuse to not deal with, um, to take responsibility over, over your own, your own, um, traumas and sufferings. But I think, I think this world is a, is a, can be a very scary and chaotic place, right? It can also be beautiful and amazing and, and joyful and magical. Um, but running for me was a way of control. Um, I ran all through law school. That's when I did all my, all my marathons. I ran as an attorney, um, would get up super early, put in my miles. And it was this source where cool. If I've run, if I ran a 50 mile week this week, well, next week I've got to run at least a 50 mile week. Cause if I now run a 45 mile week, I'm less than, mm-hmm. I know I can do 50. So I've got to keep doing that that becomes this terrible vicious cycle of like, well, then you're doing 55, 56, like, and you're just driving yourself crazy, trying to make yourself sane. And setting yourself up for injury. Yes. 1000%. I would get 
I would get injured very often. And I was like, but I'm running right. And I'm doing my shoes right. And I'm doing my, I was not doing my nutrition right. But like, and I was like, why is this happening? Like, and why am I, why am I slower than people who run less than I do? And it just, it, it was a, um, it was the ground I think on which I tried to prove my self-worth. Um, and I would contrast that with now. Um, I know I have worth. Um, I, I think I'm a, a kind human being who's going to make mistakes, but is, is trying her best. And, um, I'm running for the joy of it. Now I'm running for the cool. That's my time to take an hour or two hours or 10 hours to go be in my mind or be with a friend or be in the mountains and, and explore and grow and be at peace. I think often if our minds are not at peace, we are constantly trying to fill them with noise. Um, And mostly now I don't run with any music or podcasts because I'm, I'm calmer um, and more at peace. Um, So I'd say that's maybe how it's changed. Well, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And I I would say that every interaction I've had with you is always, I would say, you know, the kind part does come Mm -hmm. through. And so it's Mm -hmm. uh, awesome to, to, uh, to talk to you. And, and I know, you know, like I said, you were volunteering at Pine Mountain. Mm. You, you, I mean, you're also part of, uh, guts as far as the, which is for those that don't know, see Georgia ultra trail running society, they put on several races, um, you know, trail races here in the Atlanta area and it's gets getguts.com if you want to learn more about them. So anything as far as, you know, you're volunteering with, with, uh, guts and anything that you want to share there? Yeah, thank thank you for that opportunity. Um, I actually was was very pleasantly surprised to um, get the get a text message the other day um, that Guts actually asked me to be the race director of our July race, um, Hot to Trot. So I'll be race directing that. Um, that's going to be in July. There's a four hour and an eight hour option. It's on like about a one mile loop in Bowling Park in Canton. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love it because it's, it, it's hourly, right? Like it, going back to the conversation of, of DNFs and pushing our limits and what are we trying to do? Like, okay, maybe, maybe somebody's never run four hours in their life or eight hours in their life. Or maybe, hey, you want to run 20 miles for the first time ever? Or do you want to run 40 miles for the first time ever? Here's your venue. Um, so that is a, that is a volunteer position. Um, but I think we're gonna, we're gonna make it a really cool race. We're gonna get some cool swag. We got some cool sponsors lined up. Um, it should be, it should be very good. Awesome. Very cool. I'm, uh, I said, I'm, I'm still toying with the idea. I love trail running. Yeah. You know, um, it was awesome to, to do the 19 mile and Pine Mountain is, is a beautiful course. Yes. Um, and, um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm, I'm like, I'm still trying to you know, work up my confidence or believe in myself mm-hmm. that I could do the training to do a 50 mile or a hundred. Yes. So like I said, yeah. I, I like the idea of saying I've done one, mm-hmm. you know, but I know I got, I got to be hungry for it. I got to want to want to do it. I got to want to put myself through that, through the training and the suffering. So, so yeah. we'll see. So. Yeah. You let me know. You tell me what you need to let me know. 
<laughs> well, I'm sure I will see you uh, on the trails, and if not, I'll definitely see you out at, uh, at our Marietta store. So, Emily Labuda, thank you for uh, taking time out of your, your night here to, to talk and share your stories. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dave. I, I'll, I'll always talk trails, ultra, mindset, anything. That's my jam. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be right back after this break. Big Peach now sells bikes at our Brookhaven and Midtown locations. Big Peach Ride and Run. We help get you into the right bike that fits you and your needs. Many of us enjoy being on two wheels as much as our own two feet. It's not only a great way to stay active and fit, it's also a great way to recover from long runs and have fun. We carry kids, commuter, mountain, gravel, road bikes, and more. No matter what you prefer, with brands like Giant, Live, a division of Giant that makes bikes exclusively for women, and Momentum, we've got whatever bike you're looking for. Stop by and check out the selection of bikes at Town Brookhaven or Midtown, right on Peachtree Street, or view our inventory online at BigPeachRideAndRun.com. And welcome back, everyone. Man, I hope you uh, enjoyed that conversation um, with Emily and uh, and got something out of it. I know that for me, it's like I said, I've I'm I'm still toying with the idea of why someone would get into a hundred. There's a part of me that would like to say I ran a hundred miles. I just can't wrap my my mind around the actual training and the time and the energy and the commitment uh, to do that, and then whether I could go through the suffering, um, not only on race day, but leading up to it with the amount of training that goes into it. So I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm toying with the idea. I think it's going to happen at some point, but I won't specifically say and, and say that it will happen, but it's out there. It's there. That's kind of, you know, it's, there's something out there that's kind of, it's calling to me. I just haven't accepted the call yet, and and I'm trying to find reason as to why I want to do it. And so Emily, you know, conversation sort of kind of helps me sort of kind of gather what I need to do and, and how I can go about doing it. I hope you guys, if you're considering doing 100 or maybe you've already done one, maybe you've shared some of these same things and uh, and and can relate to it. Um, but uh, said I enjoy having these conversations and getting to know people uh, a little bit better. Um, you know, Emily and I have, you know, have – shared conversations back and forth and and I do hope that one day I do get to to, to run with her and and train with her uh, when that time comes because I know that when that when I do make that decision even if it's a smaller race maybe it's a 50k um, she'll be a great resource and someone I can tap into to 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 help me prepare for that uh, next step in uh, in in my uh, distance running so so Thank you, Emily. If you have uh, any, you know, if you're in the East Cobb area, you know, and you're looking to, to shop, you know, and you need help, she is a great resource. She is, um, you know, just one of the most pleasant people that I can ever run into. And she's always has a smile on her face, always very, very, uh, you know, uh, you know, happy to be around with and, and joyful. So uh, please stop by and see her and, uh, and say hello at our East Cobb location. So, that uh, wraps up our uh, episode 139. I'm also interested in what topics you are interested in or what topics I can cover on the podcast to help you meet your goals in 2023. So please subscribe, you know, through your favorite podcast app and uh, email me at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com if you have any ideas, any questions, anything that I could potentially help. And if you have suggestions for guests, people within our own community that maybe deserve a spotlight and you want to know more about or let others know more about this individual, 
please share that with me and, uh, and I'll reach out to them and, and get them uh, featured on the podcast. Until next time, keep running, keep riding, and keep believing yourself. So long, everyone. Do you have a story or know someone with a story that can inspire, motivate, or even empower others? Email me at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. I want to share your story. Don't forget to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with others.